Hello and welcome back to another episode of Wrong Opinions Only with your hosts Justin and Kayla. And this week we are tackling two shows at complete opposite ends of the spectrum because that's just what we do, Kayla. It is what we do. It's really how we are as people. So uh, today we're going to be talking about the circle. We'll be catching up on the episode circle? nine. The circle. The circle. The circle. You know, it's the sequel to the circle. Uh, episodes nine through thirteen, and then we'll also be talking about Obi Wan Kenobi on Disney Plus episodes one through three. So spoilers if you have not finished the circle season four, and especially spoilers if you have not finished the three episodes of Kenobi that were released. But also just get on it. Stop slacking. Be better. Okay. Yes. Yes. Gosh. I mean, let's let's get into it because I have a lot of thoughts on Kenobi, but we got to finish up the circle here. So last we left off on the circle, we were wondering whether Alyssa would be saved. She was in the hot seat. Brew had to pick between Carol or his threesome uh, alliance there with... Thruple, not threesome. Thruple, excuse me. <laughs> uh, Thruple uh, with Yuling and Alyssa and Brew. So ultimately, Brew did not decide to save Alyssa. He stuck with Carol. He felt like they had a better, stronger alliance. Whether that was true or not, we may debate here. But Alyssa was sent home, who was our number one at the time of when we last recorded. Yes, and we did have the caveat at the end of the last episode. I thought Alyssa was going home. It seemed like Brew is just all about Mama Carol. Unfortunately. Even though it was clear it was not a good game move. I am fine with the whole, I don't care if they're a catfish as long as they have my back. The problem is when nobody else in the circle trusts Carol, they're going to, and I just did what you did with the circle, they're going <laughs> to rank her very low. And if you're associated with her, you're probably going to be low too. Alyssa had a better standing in the group, so... Just poor gameplay by Brew, and as a quick heads up, if you weren't aware, apparently it took Brew about two hours to make that decision. So everybody was sitting, looking at their freaking TV screens, waiting for two hours for him to make that call, according to an interview I heard with Frank. That is brutal. Um, I gotta say, Brew, wrong call, like you said. Here's the thing, he was an equal standing, in my opinion, at the time with Carol, and Alyssa, as far as like going to bat for each other. So why would you pick Carol, who you suspected to be a catfish? And I know later on he he didn't think that other people would believe that he thought it all along, that he got played. He was but, mentioning it, though, yeah. Yeah, he was. I, I don't know why you'd pick, honestly, Carol over Alyssa, especially when Carol was getting all the flack for people calling her her or such him uh, on being a catfish, and there was heat directed. What heat was on Alyssa? The only thing I can think of is that he was in an alliance with Yuling and Alyssa, and this is kind of what he tried to explain, but he didn't do a great job. With Yuling not picking Alyssa, maybe that alliance has already crumbled without him knowing. So he wasn't sure if Alyssa and Yuling went off to somebody else and then he would be stuck with nobody. That being said, still a bad move. Like either way, you knew Carol was at the bottom. I think the previous rankings, Carol was pretty low and he kept Carol and that only lasted a couple days. Yeah, it just didn't make sense to me. Alyssa was so devastated by it. I felt so bad. Like I said, she was a number one. And to see Carol Stan, who I had just soured over at that point, was just a bit of a bummer. A hundred percent agree. I know we had uh, a couple new people come into the house to, or not the house, but the uh, apartment complex, like whatever you call the yeah. place that they're staying <laughs> at there. 
Um, I don't know if that was before the end of our last episode, but it was pretty late in the game. And this happens every season. But when you bring in Everson and Amani with what, like four days left in the circle, there's no chance they can win. They're pretty much guaranteed to get to the end because they're so late in the game that they don't have much time to really you know, screw up essentially to get them voted out unless someone's so terrible, um, like a Parker playing her father. Like maybe <laughs> if she came in late in the game, it wasn't going to happen. But yeah, so it adds some like spontaneity of new people at the end when you're kind of used to the group, but it just gets into the end. There's not much gameplay they can do. Yeah. And, and the best part about the new people coming in is these games that they're really kind of trying to use a lot more in the recent seasons of the circle. They had the ask an anonymous question game and then the, uh, the very controversial portrait game where they were assigned a person that, and they had to anonymously make a portrait of them. So having the new people in where the OGs don't really know where they stand adds a little bit of flair to it because you can't really blame it on them because you don't know them, but you don't want to blame it on the people you really trust. So it it leads to some ambiguity there. And I think Everson took advantage of that because he made a pretty harsh one about you, Ling. And I, I honestly just think he just doesn't know how to draw. He did not want to make her look like a demon. But Which he did. she did. Yeah, but he did. And then you had Brew's pretty innocuous one, I thought, of Rachel just pouring a little tea, spilling a little tea. That's pretty harmless and fun, and I thought pretty much right on the money. And very obviously Brew, because he would be the only one kind of clever enough to draw that, I guess. And then you had Nathan. Which... Nathan. Can can I just say, I don't like Nathan, but I appreciate Uh someone that is just doing the absolute most. Like, taking the most opportunity to be an asshole... And go for someone that clearly is number one in so many books, Frank, and just do this, like calling him a snake and all this stuff. I mean, it seems so dramatic, but like we said earlier in the last one, everyone's being very nice, nice. And so ultimately I didn't like him, but I I thought it was, yeah, use the most, like just throw shade, like. Well, nobody was really strategizing this game, which is the opposite of like seasons two and three, where there was a lot more strategy. Here, it was very much like, how good of a personal connection did you make? Which Frank was dominating the whole game. From if the people, very start. Exactly. If people really wanted to win, it was obvious you needed to get Frank out. And Nathan tried to do that. And he drew a snake very kind of untactfully. And then he throws Brew under the bus to make it look like Brew is the one who drew the snake, which... Whatever, dude. You do you. The problem is he didn't build any relationships with people. He literally was just like, I am going to lie and say shit on anonymous mode as much as I can, but I'm not actually going to form connections because I'm just a stupid frat bro that doesn't know anything. And again, how did he think that was going to be a character that was going to win the circle? Somebody that nobody likes is your strategy, that has no depth to him, that nobody likes, that nobody's going to trust. You thought that was the best candidate to win the circle. I mean, people did like him, though. They did, like, Yuling yeah. was having this, like, fun, flirty you well, know, conversation with them. Nathan was like, my little bro. I mean, it wasn't, people weren't turned off by Nathan. So like, they weren't really t- saying anything about Nathan. The Yuling thing, you know, let's not really consider her opinion on Nathan and his flirting anything. Yuling has clearly no guide to what is good flirting or how somebody is smooth because she is just so aggressive and over the top. That it's just if you agree with her, you are made to seem like, oh, yeah, you're really coming on to Yu Ling. 
she was just like, hey, why don't you uh, take off some of my clothes? And he was like, yeah, that would be nice. Like, what? She she was so... Listen, it was listen. it was honestly cringeworthy watching them. Flirt. Listen, I don't feel like you are a neutral party in your Yuling slander because you did not care for Yuling, and that's what I hear peppered in your voice talking I liked about her, her the right first now. Episode or she two. was fine. I mean, she was like giving what he was giving. Like it was like was, she was doing more than him. Yeah, are she you kidding was. me? She was doing more, and he was trying to meet that level. And then the Brew and Nathan kind of bromance thing, even though they were cordial. Brew in the anonymous question thing was very much trying to see if he was a catfish because he didn't believe him. I don't think anybody really liked Nathan. I think it was just like, well, that's somebody I don't really, I'm not worried about and I can trust for a number. Yeah, he just didn't have the kind of root for you personality um, that I think other players had. And like I said, I felt like last season, a lot of the players were more strategic. Mm -hmm. This group was way more focused on do we think this person is a good person? Yeah, which is what ends up with our, our final, was it five or six at the end there? We have Frank, we have Yuling, we have Amani, we have Everson pretty much just because he sh showed yes, up late. Yes. And then we had Rachel. And those were your, your final castmates. And it was a pretty good group, in my opinion, that made it to the end. I don't think Everson deserved to be there. I would have liked to see a Brew or an Alyssa. But Alyssa overbrew for me. Yeah, well, yeah, Alyssa overbrew, but Brew did make it a little longer in the game. I will say I did enjoy the twist of Carol and Everson were on the bottom two mm -hmm. at one point, and it wasn't bottom two, but the influencers got to pe choose people they would save, and they had to fight for their lives. And I thought Carol had a pretty good plea for herself. And then they meet each other in person before the blocking. So now Everson knows before everybody else who Carol is. The only thing I would have changed about that on a producer side is don't have that blocking hap happen that night. Draw it out another day or so. See if Everson tries to throw Carol under the bus before the actual blocking is announced to see if it kind of stirs up anything else. Because he found out and then he was Carol was blocked and then everybody found out who Carol was the next morning. So there was no real advantage to Everson of meeting Carol in that moment. It was just kind of a, a weird add-on that I think could have been handled a little better. I mean, at that point, it was kind of like, who do we want at the end? And how far are we carrying Carol in the game? Essentially is what it came down to. And, uh, you know, Carol really reminded me of who you were capping for last season. The guy last season was so much you know, better like, for TV. Just his, like, him trying to, like, convey, like, a relationship with people and uh, his disappointment, you know, like all of it read just like that other guy. That's why I did not care for him. I love, though, when Carol left and you had Brew just start laughing. He goes, I've been saying, hey, Mama Carol, I'm your baby Brew to a freaking kid that's younger than me. <laughs> like, What's going on here? Brew was great. I mean, it is good to have like a radio mm -hmm. kind of TikTok, whatever. He, I think he does multitude of medias like personality because it's just entertaining. He knows how to like work a camera and work. A, a dialogue with people. I was surprised he didn't make more personal connections. He pretty much relied on Alyssa and Yu Ling and, and Carol at points, but he didn't really reach out to Frank much until later on. And Nathan, they didn't get on a personal level level at all. It was just like, hey, bro, let's get hammered. Let's, and he just tried to put on his frat bro persona when he talked to Nathan. I, I genuinely thought Brew was a good person. Like the way yeah. he was touched by people's personal stories and like the way he commented on things. However, I think he was very much trying to be this general like 
media personality. Like, gets yeah. along with everyone, makes jokes. He wasn't really trying to be vulnerable, which I appreciate Alyssa pointing out all the time with other players. Like, I'm sharing the most with you guys to connect, and you guys aren't doing the same. Yeah, that's true. Alyssa, Alyssa was one of the better players in the game, which is why she couldn't win. You had to get her out when you yes. had to get her out, I guess. Uh, if Brew doesn't vote her out there, I don't think she makes it to the end, but I would have been interested to see how she would have played with the dynamic with the new people a little more because mm -hmm. she started talking to them, but it would have been uh, interesting if she knew she was towards the bottom, how she would have reacted and played differently because before she was essentially blocked, she wasn't at the bottom of the, the ranking. She was kind of in the middle, like I think th third or fourth or something like that, so... I wish that would have played out a little better, but, you know, it is what it is. So, ultimately, as we get to the end of the circle, we had our kind of from fifth place to first. So, in fifth place, we had Everson. Fourth place, we had Rachel. Third place, we had Yuling. Second place, we had Trevor as Amani. I think Trevor as Amani played a phenomenal game. Yes. The problem is he came in too late. Yes. If he would have had a little more time, he may have been able to give Frank a run for his money. But I think nobody uh, ranked Frank low. If they were playing strategically, <laughs> you're right over there, Kayla. Jeez. Totally uh, <laughs> dying. No problem. Uh, if they were playing strategically, they all would have ranked Frank, ranked Frank, say that five times fast, last because he was the clear and obvious winner. But they didn't because they made actual connections. They ranked with their hearts, and everybody ranked Frank at the top. Listen, props to Frank. He got along with everyone. He was himself from day one. He wasn't really focused on strategy. His strategy was just like, who am I having a good relationship with? It wasn't, let's form a group together to get rid of XYZ. He really wasn't about that at all. He was genuinely like having a good time. Yeah. And unfortunately for the other players... Again, they were just thinking more of who do I like more? Who do I get along with? They were not thinking strategically because if they were halfway through the season, they should have got rid of Frank. A hundred percent. He won what all but one of the influencer categories. Yep. So much so when they all meet for uh, the circle table with dinner, but they don't actually eat dinner at all in that hangout room. Everybody's like, oh, who is the super, super secret influencer? A lot of tongue twisters today. And they all just were like, oh, yeah, well, it was Frank. Like, obviously, yeah. it was Frank. And if Frank was playing strategic, he would have voted out Yu Ling because that was the person mm -hmm. that was. But he was just, again, yeah. like, I have a good connection with Yu Ling. Yu Ling, kept, you know, went for Rachel instead yep. of Alyssa. So, like, that was, to Yu Ling's point, did end up being the better alliance because who went home? Brew. Who stayed? Yu Ling because of her relationship with Frank and Rachel. So. And I thought it was very interesting that Frank pointed that out as a strategic move. Because in the moment, they didn't portray it that right. that way. But when he lays it out is, I picked Rachel because I wanted to, or you, Lane, because I wanted to make sure she was going to pick Rachel. If she picked somebody else, I knew I couldn't trust her. Mm -hmm. But if I would have picked Rachel, I know 100% she would have picked you, Lane. So I had to uh, check her level of trust. And that was really the only strategic move he played. Besides that, as Frank mentioned throughout the whole show, he was being himself. He went through some hard times. He had a lot of loss in his life, and he was open. He was vulnerable. He was welcoming, and he was, as they say, a ray of sunshine. So he was. He was so great. I, I 
actually love that Frank won. He played a really well game. It's just we couldn't give him the strategic points because he went along because he's generally a great person. Yep. So I can't hate it. I'm glad he won. He deserved it. You know, what did you think after watching four seasons? What strategy do you think gives you the best chance at this point? For me, it's being yourself. I think ultimately over catfishes. So I think it's it's better to be yourself because there it's is this easier. stigma. If you come in as a catfish, you have to be on top of your game. If you're coming in as a different sex, you have to make sure you can do whatever, you know, uh, the baking or the hair or the yes. makeup or the other way. You need to make sure you know sports facts like uh, Trevor's uh, wife, uh, is it Jaleesa, Delisha? I, yeah, I can never Jaleesa. remember her name. Yep. She won season two as a catfish mm-hmm. playing as Trevor. But her just like Trevor did coming in as Amani, they actually put the research in. They had notes and notes on what to say in certain situations. This is how you act this way. So those are the only two that I really can remember as true catfishes mm-hmm. that really deserved it. You know, the rest of them, they fumble a little bit or you're like, why are you doing this? This doesn't make any sense. But all in all, you need to be yourself, right? You need to forge real relationships. Yeah. If people start seeing you as a strategic player, that's going to hurt you. So if you have two to three people you really trust, like two like hardcore to the end people, that's how you're going to win the circle. As long as you have that level of trust with a couple, you can work with them to make some strategic moves down the line. But it's just, it's too much if you come, come in guns a blazing like Nathan, trying to do all strategy, yes, not building I... any relationships. When it comes down between you and somebody else, if somebody else was open and talking to the rest of the people, and you weren't, they're going to go with the person they're more comfortable talking to. I agree. I also think being vulnerable, like putting yourself out there, ties you with other people by sharing something. And not in like a clearly strategic way, like the heat's on you. So you start sharing like, you know, sad stories or something. It has to be like a genuine moment where you can kind of someone sharing with you and you're doing the same thing. Because that caused a lot of players to go because they didn't have that like, tie in they didn't really get to know that it was very superficial yeah i i completely agree with that and i'm glad frank won and and all in all i really thought it was a great season i agree i want more like yeah. give me more I'm yeah ready you for can it. uh you could freaking make these like nothing this is just easy money for netflix to roll out twice a year or even more i looked up how long they actually are in the circle if you start there and you finish the game there to win how long would you think they're actually in those apartments? Total, if you're there from the beginning to the end. Um, two months. It's 15 days. That's it. Jesus. Yeah. 15? 15 days. So they're only there two weeks. Holy and they make it seem like they're gone for like months, right? Yes. They really do. It's, I was always thinking, oh, they bring in these new people like every week and they have these blocking. But it's every like two days they have blockings and then they start bringing other people in every like four to three to four days. So when you factor that in with the Everson and Amani, they came in at like day 13 of 15 or 12 of 15 or whatever it was. Right. You have, you have no chance. It, it's. I wish it was a little longer. I wish it was... You know, maybe not a full month. Maybe you go 21 days, three weeks. Because I know mentally you start kind of, you're in a, an apartment by yourself. We all went through this a couple of years yes. ago, right? You start losing your, your but, purpose and your sense of but self. Did but did you suspect that when you found that out? Like, did you think it was longer? I thought it was probably, I thought it was about a month. I thought it'd be between three weeks and a month. See, so like they're playing it like, if, yeah. you know, 
until we found that out, we weren't living it like it was a few weeks. But I think you'd get better TV when people are okay. going freaking well, stir crazy after three but weeks. But that's the thing. Yeah, they don't really have anything to do. They like have certain times they can go to the gym. They can go to the hot tub. But like they're basically alone in a room without contact. That's rough. Yeah, well, it's called a pandemic. We've lived through it, so deal <laughs> yes, with it, yeah, all right? Yeah, okay. Uh, so, yeah, so that's my circle thoughts. Can't wait for season five. Hopefully, it's this year. We don't do it till next year, so I guess we'll see. All right, so let's move on to Obi-Wan Kenobi. Let's do it. All right, let's get into my bread and butter these weeks. We're already halfway through the series, which just makes me so sad halfway through that there's only six episodes total only three more weeks to go but let's talk about obi-wan kenobi that's damn right star wars baby you know if you listen to our star wars pod last week which of course you did you know that we have a lot of love for the prequels here and i actually well, just we i mean we i mean one I of mean, us has a I'm, lot of love i'm probably yeah triple <laughs> triple the enthusiasm for the prequels and you guys but i recently rewatched them and they are just as much of an utter delight as i remember them and i've seen them many many times but it does help to give a little context to the 10-year gap timeline wise that this obi-wan kenobi show is occurring and just the revenge of the sith moment just breaks my heart even more when you get to watch ewan mcgregor look so sad as he looks out to the dunes of uh tattooing or just like somberly like realizing you know what he realizes in the episodes i mean just he's so good at looking forlorn and sad (laughs) Like my sad boy, Ewan McGregor. I love it. So let's talk about, I kind of want to do an episode by episode thing because they're almost like their own little stories. Of course, they all connect, but there's so many different things to point out in the episode. So let's talk about episode one, where we are introduced to Reva, uh, who's the third sister and the Grand Inquisitor. Um, Of course, these are essentially a mix of People working for the Empire, a lot of them are Jedis that were forcibly turned. It's important to note that they weren't like, hey, do you want to turn on the Jedi Order that you've dedicated your entire life to? And they're like, okay, sure, let's (laughs) kill them. No, these are people that were tortured, brutalized, um, essentially forced to become soldiers in the Empire's kind of Inquisitor army. And there's, of course, a um, hierarchy to them. Um, And you have Reva, this character that is played by Moses Ingram, and she is dedicated to, she wants Obi-Wan. To what extent, we don't know um, in episode one, and spoiler, through episode three, kind of what, we kind of we kind of can get a glimpse of it in episode three, but what did you think about Reva, the Grand Inquisitor, the Grand Inquisitors in, in general? So I did not know anything about the Grand Inquisitors because I haven't watched Rebels or the other animated shows. I'm just working on Clone Wars, which I guess is where they're the main kind of big bad in the Rebels. In uh, Rebels, yes. Yeah, in Rebels, yeah. So I didn't know much about them. Uh, it looks like they're basically ex-Jedi that are hunting the Jedi that escaped from Order 66. So I think it's an interesting plotline because it gives you somebody to root against that is chasing down all of the jedis and the people that have any type of force you know uh what's force uh they said all the kids that are showing any signs of force force sensitivity yeah they chase down reva is a freaking lunatic and i love it because she is so crazy she just doesn't give a shit what the grand inquisitor says she's like i'm gonna do my own way i need to find obi-wan 
which I think we can all interpret as she was one of the younglings that escaped, right? Yeah, that's my... You're trying to figure out what her origin story is, but at the beginning of the first episode, you see a bunch of younglings running away. You have their Jedi teacher kind of helping shepherd them to safety, but she's in a battle, and they're like, we have to figure it out on our own, and it ends scene. And there was a little black girl in There that was. Girl. So I think... I, I presume it's very on the nose. I don't think they're working hard to like make it this complicated backstory for her. Yep. Uh, maybe what she had to go through and, and, you know, the Grand Inquisitor says she was found in the gutter and different things like that to imply that, like, maybe she had to be solo on her own and they kind of pulled her in and gave her, like, a purpose. That's what I'm thinking. She was maybe a youngling who had some natural talent, but she was on the run for a while and maybe had to resort to some, you know, dark times in her life, which is what they reference, which we don't have any real idea about at this point. And then she found the Empire and they offered to help her is what my assumption is to give her this this purpose because she has a skill that is valuable to them. She is good with a lightsaber, essentially. Now, the Grand Inquisitor is a character that comes up a lot in in Rebels. And him, she's the third sister. And then there's there's the other guy is what, the fifth? They have like a second sister. Yeah, yeah it's like, like a, a whole how brother. they kind of have their hierarchy. But the Grand Inquisitor is like... The boss, I know that that specific Grand Inquisitor is in the Clone Wars yep. as like a prominent character. Not great to look at visually, gotta say. It's no, they're very looking. creepy. They're very creepy to look at. And the way I understand it is they report to Darth Vader, right? They're the people on the ground to carry out the task that uh, Palpatine and Darth Vader want to perform without getting their hands as dirty. Yes, and yeah. you, as much as you would like, you really can't have Darth Vader in every moment chasing Obi-Wan because that ruins the it. whole thrill of Darth Vader is that you don't see him a lot. And when he does, he's just freaking wrecking lives, especially in this, yeah. uh, the third episode. But yeah, it's good to have, you got to have a villain to kind of push the story forward without, again, being the one you're most anticipating wanting to watch. Um but other than they're like in feud fighting they have over a power dynamic of Riva being lower on the totem pole and constantly going against the Grand Inquisitor. And then the other character that's just like basically the tattletale every time she yeah. does something. I, I forget them. Like I just want Riva to be on the solo mission trying to get Obi-Wan because she's more entertaining. And she didn't get, the actress didn't get her light in the Queen's Gambit as much as I would have liked. So it's good to see her like in a role that has more, you know, lines and purpose. But I, I could care less on the Grand Inquisitor, to be honest. And that could be because I don't have the Clone Wars like knowledge. Maybe it would mean something knowledge. more to me. Or Rebels. Yeah. And the thing that's confusing to me about the dynamic between the whole like uh, Inquisitor army going on there mm -hmm. is the Empire is all about hierarchy, right? So Reva is supposed to report to the Grand Inquisitor who reports to Darth, who reports to the Emperor, right? But she just doesn't give a shit, doesn't listen to anything he says, yet she doesn't even really get a slap on the wrist. He's just like, don't do that again. Listen to me. And she's like, okay, cool. And then goes and does it again. And he's like, but seriously, this time, don't do it. Like, there's no repercussions. And that doesn't seem to align with how the Empire's really making sure they maintain control. Like I said, I'm curious on the history. We're not going to get it, but I'm curious on the history of, like, how she came to be with them. And, like, is she this 
like very powerful past Jedi where it's she's too valuable and that's what kind of keeps Maybe. her where they reprimand her but don't like essentially ground her and she just does whatever she wants at this point. You know, you're still having early Empire ties at this point, so they haven't quite had the reach across, you know, the entire galaxy. So, I, again, those are questions that I think could be in books and comics that could have, like, maybe a side Reva story. I'm curious, but I don't think we're going to get those answers. Yeah, I don't think so either, but I think we've gone long enough into Obi-Wan Kenobi without mentioning really Obi-Wan Kenobi yes. or mini Leia. <laughs> um. Okay. <laughs> Let's talk about Leia. Let's prolong the Obi-Wan even more. Okay. Leia. I love that this had to be Leia's story. Now, again, we could talk about how this is essentially like a retcon, a correction. I mean, one of our favorite Star Wars films is a retcon to the fact of of the Death Star having one small area that could blow it all up. And so this is bridging the gap between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. You can't have Luke because Luke's lived his whole life on a farm. If he left, it just makes no sense. What I didn't appreciate, though, is, um, or what I did appreciate, excuse me, is the relationship between little Leia and her father, like Organa, and how she is a little Carrie Fisher. Like, they do it so well in that first episode of just, like, this little girl that just is you know, doing her own thing, kind of butting against the system, but like is entertained. She's like a mini adult and it's so entertaining because that reads well to me. That is Leia. Like that's how I envision her as a little girl. Yeah. She's very spunky. And it's always fun to have the little spunky girl who's Mm -hmm. out there like outsmarting the adult. It's a nice little twist of things. The thing that doesn't really align is in the original trilogy, Leia doesn't really know who Obi-Wan is, right? Because she's like, Obi-Wan, you worked with my father in the Clone Wars. But she never goes, oh, hey, remember that time we went on this crazy adventure together? It, I, I don't see – maybe they'll explain it, but we only have three episodes left. So I don't understand how you have this pivotal moment with Obi-Wan Kenobi. But then in 10 years, you don't remember who he is. The you problem know? with A New Hope is that it was so written with like – fly by a seat like there's so many holes in a new hope because they were still even thinking about maybe we'll have loke luke loke (laughs) luke and leah be a romantic relationship like they didn't even have it set that they were going to be related to each other until later on in the films so there's so many areas that don't line up across because he hadn't thought of it at that point it was still being built which causes a lot of continuity issues, which means that you kind of have to take Star Wars as is. If you if you look into too many things, you're going to find areas that don't make sense. You know, um, even what they're doing now with Obi-Wan and Darth Vader getting together, um, you know, in A New Hope, they act like it's the first time they've seen each other since, in theory, Revenge of the Sith. So even that feels like, how are they going to make this make sense for Ben saying that line, Obi-Wan saying that line, that, you know, this is basically the first time they're reuniting. So it's kind of like you have to make holes to fix holes a little bit um, to make sense of it all, but... That's I, true. You know? Uh, one thing I will just, that annoyed me, and I've heard this on other podcasts too, so I'm not alone... When Leia was captured running through the woods on her home planet, mm-hmm. all right, this is a 10-year-old that's running around and there's four adults chasing her. It looks like she's running the speed of a 10-year-old 
the adults should be able to capture her pretty quickly. Like, it looks just ridiculous. Oh, I slid under this branch. Oh, no. They hit okay. a branch and they fell down. It's that's, like, all right, this is ridiculous. This is like letting your kid win at something. That's true. Like, at one point, I think one, I, one of them, um, like, runs into a branch and, yep. like, doesn't go under it. Like, he just, like, oh, this oh, tree no, this got branch. me. I can't and I'm keep like, going. You can yeah. just, like... Yeah, it just didn't make sense. I think they're going off of she's constantly going into the woods from how exasperated her parents were. So she, so she knows, knows the lay of the yeah. land. But also at 10 years old, she looks like she's five, six. Like she does not look. She looks look, younger than 10, yeah, right? Yeah, she does not. Um, and we know she's 10 because it's been 10 years since uh, <laughs> she was given birth to. Correct. But even like in a new, uh, I don't know if it's a new hope or later on, she says that she remembers their mother, which again, if you watch her run Seth, she died right after having both the twins. So again, you're going to find things that don't make sense, but you just have to go with it. You just have to appreciate it for what it is. One thing I did like about episode one is when they were at the Organa's estate there and they were having whatever little party they were having. And before she goes off, she's talking to her cousin who's just like, Oh, I'm better than you. And she just like owns his ass. Mm -hmm. She can clearly read people. That's part of her force capabilities, right? That's the assumption yes, I'm yeah. taking. Totally. And she does it throughout the episodes that I'm like, absolutely, she's force sensitive. And that would kind of her storyline, of course, getting kidnapped. And at the end, Obi-Wan decides to leave Tatooine, leave Luke to go get Leia and return her to the Organas. I didn't appreciate that he was like, I can't leave Luke. And I'm yeah. like... What about her, dude? Yeah, like Leia, you, she could be force sensitive and clearly is. Like, and, and he has a conversation with Owen where he's like, "You, you just want to, you know." He's Owen is mad at Obi Wan. He's like, "You just want to see if he's force sensitive. You don't care about the boy. You just want to know if he's, you yeah. know, able to be a Jedi." And it's like he has no care concern over Leia being the same. Like, what if Luke was a dud? What if Luke had nothing? Which, by the way, Leia Luke does. was playing with his little toys while Leia was freaking running shit. So that's... Yeah, so I'm like, how again, rude. I mean, what's going on there? Gender politics. But I just thought that was so rude that he had to be... Basically, Organa had to show up in his cave to be like, can you care about Leia? Like, can you care about her? Like, she's oh. in danger? Hello? Also, that's another kind of plot hole here in the in the first episode. He obviously gets his little like cell phone ringing with his hologram mm -hmm. from Organa. Good old Jimmy Smith's coming back, telling him, hey, you need to help me find Leia. And he's like, I can't do it. And then he shows up in his cave. Now, Leia's been kidnapped. They, uh, The Inquisitors know that they took Leia because they want Obi-Wan to come out of hiding to help out the Organas. Nobody is tracking him. Nobody's tracking the dad going to Tatooine into this cave. They just oh, you know what? We're just going to wait for Obi-Wan to show up out of nowhere. We don't need to actually track the dad reaching out to Obi-Wan. Another big plot hole on my end. Yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah, because they had essentially been watching. At, at one point, he goes, um, they knew that she would be out there. Yeah. And so, like, they had been flee from the Red Hot yeah, Chili flee. Peppers, you know, making a show. And so, yeah, I just, I just thought that whole thing was just kind of like... Okay, but again, you have to, in order to patch some holes, sometimes you have to, you know, have a couple scratches. And then the end of episode one, you see him getting ready to go on the transport to go find Leia. Mm -hmm. 
and he just goes, you know what? I'm going to dress like the most Jedi looking person ever so I can hide and not look like a Jedi. And let me just flash this robe back so you can see my big old yeah, lightsaber. I was like, what are they doing? I, yeah. I was like, is anyone seeing him just flash his holster with his lightsaber? Like, I understand as an audience, we're supposed to go, he has he has the lightsaber. Yeah. Like, I think that's implied, though. Yeah. But I was like, uh, he's being the most obvious. You're so right. I mean, just like the cloth. Again, you don't want to hide Ewan McGregor, um, but just terrible disguise it was a, a nice little ending to episode one him going after leia and then we get into episode two and mm-hmm. we find him looking for leia you know getting people drugged with some spice in order to find Can I her tell you i'm sick of spice as a general sci-fi device i've now seen it across three or four different stories and i guess drugs are prevalent in life drugs are prevalent in sci-fi prevalent, but it just but yeah, is so fun. annoying is that okay? You just had to go on a rant about spice. Yeah, I want to know if you felt the same. I mean, again, spice. Okay, got it. An addictive substance. So is it supposed to be like meth? Because he like smashes it down, puts the mask on, and gets out of there, and they're all like, "Whoa!" It must be because the girl, the little street urchin <laughs> that was like, <laughs> "That's actually um, you and McGregor's daughter." Fun I fact. did, yeah, I did hear that. Um, you know, she's like, he's like, no thanks. And she's like, trust me, if I give you this free one, like, you're going to come back. It's <laughs> clearly highly addictive. So, yeah, they all got meth introduced, essentially, when he was making his escape. Um, you do get to see the Obi-Wan and Leia dynamic, which, to touch on your point of how does she not remember this figure that she's adventuring with, essentially, yeah. like, he goes to save, rescue her. And I have to imagine that now halfway through the show, their interactions are not as much as we're seeing now in this episode and a little bit of next and add in the age. And at that point, adult Leia and a new hope we're seeing like, you know, she's been all over. She's, she's a Senator and she's working for the, this is a life changing, you know, like she would remember unless she thinks it's, just coincidentally, Ben Kenobi and not Obi Wan. And then that also, saved let's her. look at the difference between Ewan McGregor and the actor that played Obi Wan. You might be like, "Who's this guy?" Like that can't be my Ben. I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm I'm on Team Lay on that. Like as far as memory, but uh, yeah, I just think you know I don't know about you, but I got a little emotional when Obi Wan's like looking at. Leia and she's talking and he's like you're so stubborn and she's like no I'm not and he he Just makes like that comment you know that you remind me of someone and she's like oh who a Jedi and she's like no a leader and like clearly he's talking about her Padme, mom Padme yeah. but it just made me sad because you know the relationship that he had with her mom the the fact that Leia is it doesn't have isn't able to have a relationship with her and they are so similar. You know, in another world when Revenge of the Sith, again, fresh in my mind, when Padme is like, Anakin, let's leave. Now, he had already killed people at this point, so could they have just <laughs> run off to a planet and lived happily ever after? I don't know. But a little part of me goes, what if he just was like, yeah, let's go. Let's go with these kids. Let's go off another planet and just leave everything. Like, what could have happened? Probably bad things. Yeah, he was pretty terrible thing. from the start of that film, but... You know, I just think there's so many what ifs, obviously, and Obi-Wan is wrestling with the what ifs for 10 years and longer. Yeah. What if I had done this? What if I had just left Anakin's ass on tattoo and never like, you know, left with him? Um, But I just love the back and forth. I mean, Obi-Wan has not been having a lot of interaction working in the meat factory, you know? He is washed up. Mm -hmm. Even trying to run around town with Leia, 
he he looks like an old man like uh that played basketball for the first time in 10 years and like can barely walk around the house he's one of those he's just like ah oh, shit i gotta like run and jump now and when they're having these battles after uh this i believe this is all in episode two like reva puts out the uh ipv on obi-wan kenobi to get all of the bad guys in the area looking for him and now he has to hide even more so. They find him and Reva smartly is standing on rooftops looking for some bad type of... Badass moves. Yeah, badass move by her. Doing took, the most. Yeah, took her forever to get to where they were. But he ends up battling somebody on a rooftop. Not Doesn't pull out his saber yet. He doesn't want to draw any more attention to himself. But he does, for the first time, have to use the Force. And it's to save Leia from falling to her death when she just inexplicably yes. jumps and does not get anywhere close to reaching this gap between buildings. Yeah, but, you know, you, you have a bad sense of judging distance, you know, as a 10-year-old. I but would he's, like, pain. Like, you can see it's, like, very difficult for him to, like, tap into the force there. A part that really annoyed me right after that is she went through all this. She tried to jump. He had to save her. People are chasing him. They're shooting guns. He hasn't killed anybody from what I can tell. And then 10 seconds later, he's just at the bottom greeting her. I thought the same <laughs> thing when I was watching it. I was like, wow, he got there really fast with no issues. Yeah, and he just, didn't he's jump like, down. let's go. I'm like, what? <laughs> you were what just what in happened to the guys that were chasing you? Yeah. Makes Where's no Reba? Sense. She was running to find you. Like, what, what's going on? No here? sense there. But now uh, we also meet our good old buddy, Kumail Nanjiani, just is a complete. He's just great. I love him in everything he does. Kumail Nanjiani is just. He's the man. As this role, I think, is kind of perfect for him because he can be a wise-ass. He can be kind of like the the slick guy trying to get one over, trying to make his own money. But he is, in the end, ultimately helping out people that have force-sensitive yeah, children. Know, yeah, he's, he's sure he's doing a, he's running a scam, essentially, but it's still to do good. He's not you know, leading them to their death. He's not helping people who are force sensitive get out of town. He's not taking them to like the empire. You know, he's taking them to safety. He's just, you know, getting a couple credits in his pocket for he's it. He's taking you them know? to the underground railroad. Exactly. Yes, yeah. essentially. That's more prevalent in episode three. But yes, exactly. Um, and then at the end, we have a great moment of Reva kind of stuck in this room, searching for Obi-Wan, feeling him. And that's what I love about the force is how they're able to sense the emotions and, you know, she mentions Darth Vader, and you just see Ewan McGregor's face. Just no, like... she mentions Anakin Skywalker. No, no, she says she says Lord Vader or Darth Vader first. Oh, first, first, yeah. Gotcha, and then gotcha. you see Ewan McGregor's face just like freeze frame, and then Reva just is walking with her license, and she smiles, and she's like, "Oh, you didn't know that, you know." And you didn't know that Anakin is still alive. Yeah, and yeah, or and then she's like, "Anakin's still alive," and he just. I mean, devastating, devastating, just that realization that he thought when he died, that was it. And granted, just watching Revenge of the Sith, he looked pretty, I mean, he was literally on fire when Obi-Wan goes to leave. His whole body was yeah. on fire. Um, Which, again, just heartless by Obi-Wan. Just kill him. Like, put him out of his misery at that point, man. Just don't let him burn alive there. I mean, obviously, ultimately should have. Again, what ifs? What if he just killed him then? Um, then Obi-Wan turns to the dark side? No oh, way. No not way. our no man. Chance, not no not our Ben. <laughs> <laughs> not our Ben. Um, you know, and ultimately he's able to escape, but, you know, he has that slow peel where Leia's, you know, they're on the ship going to a planet they don't know, and Leia's like, you know, what's wrong? Or 
whichever. And he, he just whispers to the camera, like Anakin. And it's just devastating because that was his brother, you know, preservation tube pop up on the screen for the first time where he, he's in his little tube at the end to, I guess, keep him alive. And then you're like, okay, so we're going to be seeing Darth here soon. And we did get some clarity at listening to some other podcasts and uh, feedback on at this point in kind of the Empire's run, how well known Darth Vader is. And apparently it was very much intentional that they kept his actual identity a secret and did not, nobody really knew it was Anakin Skywalker. Right, right. So that's not something early on I mentioned like, well, obviously Anakin's alive, it's Darth Vader, but not many people knew that. And yes. people that did find out were killed is basically still, what I got. Still a bad look on Obi-Wan to let Luke be Luke Skywalker. It still kind of bears last name, but surname, but you're right. It, at least it makes sense of why Vader wasn't. He could have just like looked through the census. Vader looked through the census. Any Skywalkers on here? Oh, hmm. that's interesting. There's a Luke. I wonder if that's related Listen, to me. He's got since a lot I'm of planets to do. You know, he's, he's in the underwater chamber. You know, he, he's got a lot going on. Yeah. So. Oh, man. So that that was uh, a fun episode, two. It did end with Reva, quote unquote, killing the Grand Inquisitor. Is he really dead, though? I um, thought so for, at first, but listening to other things, it sounds like he is the main guy in Rebels. So if they're trying to keep continuity between the TV series, the animated series, and the movies, he comes back, or there's a clone of him, or, or what's happening? Yeah, there, I think, think it's like... He's down for the count to show like Reva getting the spotlight the last three episodes, but I yeah I presume that he makes it back to the other generation of TV shows that he's in. So okay, so they somehow kind of survive. And again, you know, light lightsabers here. When you cut something, it immediately cauterizes the wound, right? Yes. Except yeah. in episode three, when that one stormtrooper got cut in half, which was awesome. That was pretty cool. That was awesome. Yeah. Well, let's get right to episode three yep. because. I watched this one like as a cinema feature. I mean, lights off on my couch, just like, here we go. Yep. And it was intense. I mean, the funny thing is that this is a weekly show, but I found myself unable to watch episode three. I just rewatched one and two. Like, it's <laughs> just, I'm appreciating it for the limited time we have with these characters. So it's almost like I'm just extending it. But yep. I'm like, let me rewatch one and two and, and then I'll get three. It's like such a treat to me to, to get time with these characters and... This one was intense. Yeah, this this was uh, picks up with them on the uh, transport ship going to I forgot the exact name of the place, a mi- one of the mining systems, and you have Leia and Obi Wan get off and they sneak off and they're going to the coordinates that um, what was the guy's name that Kumail Nanjiani played Haja, I yeah. think Haja, yep. and they go to the coordinates that he gave them and they don't even wait. They're just like, all right, nobody's here exactly when we got here. Let's not wait a few minutes to see if somebody shows up. Let's just immediately book it. Weird move, number one. Number two, you have Obi-Wan when he's talking to Leia go, hey, you know, this place didn't used to be like this. There used to be uh, towns and families, and this used to be an actual place, but the Empire came in and just ruined everything, and they're mining it for its resources. Mm -hmm. And Leia goes, I thought the Empire is trying to help us. So that just further reinforces that at this point, the Empire is not totally bad, right? They are they are trying to provide at least the facade that they are doing good 
for the entire ecosystem. They're trying to help out people. And in episode one, you had uh, one of her father's friends or cousin or whoever is mentioning like, oh, hey, let's not mention the politics. We're making more money from the empire doing it this way. So there's some reasoning on why people are are on the empire's side because they don't know they're ruthless killers yet. It hasn't reached the outer rim, their control and Tatooine wasn't really there, mm -hmm. which is why one of the people felt confident enough to stand up to the third sister and say, you don't have any jurisdiction over us here. And she cuts off her hand because as you do. So um, many hands being chopped off. <laughs> I know, right? For, for real. But I do like that they are laying some of the groundwork on how the Empire got so big and so powerful is because they slow played it. They weren't outright ruthless at the beginning. There were positives that drew people in. And then they just kept accumulating power. And as they kept accumulating power, they kept getting more ruthless and taking over more areas and more territory and slave enslaving kids. So Oh yeah, getting the Jedi, getting the um, you know, the force users, the people that are soldier like in their in the Republic to be depleted and being chased was absolutely the proper step one yep. to kind of having this dictatorship with Palpatine. Um you know, even the place that Leia and her family reside, I mean, was eventually gets just killed yep. by the Death Star um, along with her parents. And so it's just like the way what was always interesting to me that couldn't be told in the Star Wars various trilogies is like the everyday, mm -hmm. which to me is the most interesting, which I love that they now can showcase in these different shows that are coming out because what a rich world of just the day-to-day -day planets and the people just on the side of good trying to make it or on the side of bad and trying Boba Fett, you know, trying to do, you know, in the gray. And so you can't get those with the films because they're ultimately in a plot to defeat the empire or, yeah. you know, whichever. But I love seeing just like the planets. I like seeing life. I like seeing the different aliens. I like seeing the groups who are kind of not as well known as you know a leia and a luke eventually you know what about uh freck the little transport driving guy with the weird tentacle mouth which was really creepy to me honestly yeah i mean he he comes as this, like nice guy and i was with it but then i saw the symbol and i was like oh yeah like you guys are obi-wan yeah. like had it right like leia's just like let's just trust let's just get on board let's just see what happens like we need a ride and ultimately they do so obi-wan i mean she's got 10 year old legs like she's not getting far come on now you have no water you have nothing yeah. for this kid um and he was like a nice guy like oh hey no problem hey buddies let's go and and then when they bring up bring up the empire because he's got the the flag on the back of his little uh transport vehicle there he's like well you know yeah of course that brings some order it's good it's good to help out with the Empire. And then Leia's just like, oh, yeah, we love the Empire. Just absolutely love them. Screw those Jedis, basically. But you see a guy like Freck, and you're like, yeah, for him, what's bad about the Empire? I mean, these the clones were there, the Stormtroopers, and they seem nice. They're like, oh, hey, Freck, how's it going? How was your day? Like, there is an everyday person in the midst of all this that isn't just being chased down by the Inquisitors. Exactly. There's people just living life, and, like, these are the new ruling. Like, the Jedi rule, you know, the Senators and different diplomats were there that doesn't age too well by the end of this episode when you have uh betrayal <laughs> well when you have darth just going in and snapping people's necks with the force because okay. he's looking for obi-wan which is badass let's talk about darth vader because we get him <laughs> um well first we have that new character tala mm -hmm. 
that is immediately, I was like, Game of Thrones. Yes, yes. Oh, that's, I was like, who is she from that immediately now that she said it? That makes sense. Uh-huh. Um, and I was like, she kind of faked as a uh, imperial officer. That's yep. it. She was pretending to be an imperial officer. And you're not, you're not quite sure who the contact they're supposed to meet is, but that is who they're supposed to meet. And you find out she has this underground network of basically sharpening out Jedi's to where they got to go. And that she has a whole network. You're seeing a bit of the resistance in its early years, you know, since the dawn of time, whenever there's something like a dictatorship or something politically, even in real life, you're going to have resistance. Right. And so it was cool to see kind of the early groupings of like, Oh, they're coming after us. We need to get people to where they got to go. She's a really cool character. Yeah. Really cool. Very brave, you know, brings them to the, the back area where, they note that there's other Jedi that have passed through there before. And you see slightly Obi-Wan kind of like, oh, there are still some of us out there. So it gives them a little bit of of hope. And I don't know if you're familiar with all the characters or whatnot, but one one they specifically mention is Quinlan. Do you have any idea who Quinlan is? Or maybe we're not we're not fanboys enough? I'm definitely not because I haven't seen everything. Um, to me, the ultimate would be if I had seen all the things. But... I know that he, I think he's in a show. Like, I think they're trying to make things that weren't necessarily canon. Like the Clone Clone Wars with Ahsoka. She yep. wasn't canon in the live action. I think that that character is someone in one of the cartoon shows. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. He's in one of the uh, one of the cartoons, and it's kind of the way I got it. is just like a, a sar- sarcastic mm. Jedi who okay. doesn't play by the rules situation. But I don't know really much more than that besides that he shows up in the later later cartoon adaptations. I don't know if that's just like a special shout out to that character to mm-hmm. be like, oh, you never know who's going to pop up. Maybe it's not just Ahsoka. But I think it was cool for him. You know, Obi-Wan's got the kind of sucky role. I mean... To see him where he is now from where he was as this, like, detective Obi-Wan, like, doing all types of cool shit. Like, to see him just stuck watching Luke grow up to see if he has the Force really sucks for my guy. And, uh, you know, watching, you know, having that be his role, then having these other Jedi, these other, you know, even Talos notes no it's when Leia asks, is it all Jedi? And she's like, no, it's not. Like, it's a whole grouping of people, all types of people. Um, and he can't be that guy, you know, he can't be the one, you know, he has to turn away that Jedi in episode one, right? When he comes to help, he's like, Obi-Wan, you're still, he goes, I'm Ben now. And he's like, yeah, what are we going to do? And he's just like, it's over. The Jedi is ordered, like hide your lightsaber, you know, go live a normal life. Like that's all you can do. We're done. It's over. Yeah. That's when, was it Nari Mm -hmm. uh, was the character's name? The Jedi they hung up. After and then they, they kill him. him. Yeah. yeah and Obi-Wan him. sees him in the square, you yep. know, held up as an example. And so, you know, he's he's feeling his hands on the names of Jedi that have passed through this underground network. And it sucks to have a role that's not really going to be looked back on. I mean, Yoda's, Yoda knows and different people know the plan, but they're like, what happened to Obi-Wan? He hid away and then he got killed, you know? And so it sucks that his role isn't to help others. His most important role is to wait. And that has to be devastating after knowing you are an integral part to Darth Vader's existence. Couldn't he still, you know, I understand burying the saber in the desert. You don't want to get caught with that and being a Jedi. He could still be training, like fight training in his little cave. He looks like he hasn't even thought about fighting in a decade and is just outmatched in every way when a battle comes up. 
I'm kind of confused on like sensing the force. Like, is there something that if he, it's kind of like, an, okay, in Harry Potter, to go to a different nerdum, they had this magic thing that if they use magic, they know where they are. So it's like a special whatever yeah. ward. Is that true for this? Like, if someone uses the force, does someone, you know, miles away, like, go, someone use the force in this area? Like, I don't know how that works. I think it's something that by the people that are very strong or have a lot of power, they can sense or they can choose to suppress it so that other people can't feel their emotions. Because I think you're trained as a Jedi to be deadpan and not show emotions so that people can't um, detect that you're there. But when Obi-Wan's hiding out and Darth Vader drops down, he tells Leia and uh, and Tala to go go off and, and save Leia because he is immediately drawn in. And I think the closer bond or connection you have to somebody, the stronger that is. So him and Anakin were so tight and he Anakin was his Padawan, obviously, that as soon as that plane landed, he was like, shit. I mean, when he Anakin's like hugs here. the wall because he feels... Like, in his body that Anakin is there. I mean, chills. You know, Leia, of course, at the end of the uh, original trilogy, he doesn't even know that Leia exists. He doesn't even know that he had a daughter. I thought he just had Luke at that point that he discovers Luke. And so it's so funny seeing Leia, like, in this proximity, even though he doesn't see her. You know why he didn't know Leia existed? Because they changed her last name. (laughs) They didn't call her Leia Skywalker. Like, Like he didn't have this, like... You know, they didn't have this paternal sense of, like, my blood is here. True. You know, like, he didn't have that kind of power or read. Probably didn't even know to look for it. Like, I feel like he has to have an intention in his head of, like, That's what the I think. truth. You have to be mm-hmm. actively trying to seek it out in order for it to, you know, for right. you to feel it. Yeah. Um, and so that was just powerful. I did not. I don't know about you, but I did not think that they were going to. I thought they weren't going to interact until the last episode. Uh, exactly what this I shocked thought. Me. Exactly what I thought. I was surprised when they show Darth Vader. They sh- first of all, he just brutally starts murdering people when in the he square. Kills like when he just like force snaps someone's neck. Holy shit! And I think the intent right is okay. There isn't good in this guy. You know, Padme at the end of Revenge of the Sith is there's still good in him. At this point, he's gone. It's ten years past then. He has one mission to kill Obi-Wan and to torture him. But when he finds Obi-Wan and he's kind of, it seems like Darth Vader is almost sad because he's like, I wanted a battle with this guy and this guy's washed up. He can barely hold his lightsaber. I have mine just dangling out in one hand and I'm just owning him and throwing him at will. It's, it seems like he wanted more of a battle. It, it was too easy for him, which is why he starts drawing it out. I think it bummed him out. I think he never hated, I mean, literally as he's burning and his limbs are chopped off by Obi-Wan, he's, he's mutters, you know, I hate you. And this like believable seething hatred. If he could, he would have killed Obi-Wan on the spot in that moment. Ultimately he ends up living in the place that that happened. So it's also, yeah, he makes his whole like kingdom on Mustafar. Yeah. yeah, Which was honestly pretty cool. Callback. It was pretty cool. That was neat. Uh, Pretty cool place. So I, I just think, yeah, that, that hatred. And I think it's like you envision this battle with one of your last few ties that you believe of your old life. Like Obi-Wan is that tie to his humanity, to his Jedi life that he's thrown away. And so I think you have this vision of like, 
I'm fighting at my height and Obi-Wan's fighting at his height and we're, I'm going to get that win. It's kind of like an MMA world. Like, you know, when you have that fight where you lost and you fight someone like years later, it's not the same because it's, you're getting a different version of that person. And Obi-Wan was not, he was not quick with the skills. He was very reluctant to use the lightsaber. He was scared. He was running scared yeah. the whole time. He was he like, was I can't fight him. Yeah. And maybe it's, it's uh, a combination of being scared and also guilty that his last action as a Jedi was mangling Anakin, who then turns into, well, I guess he was technically Darth Vader before, but then right. turns into the Darth Vader we know of, you know, in this timeline. And does he want to use his lightsaber against somebody that was a friend, was a brother that he just doesn't even know anymore? And he's partially responsible for that. Yeah, you know, you have, you know, Obi-Wan yelling to and Anakin, you know, you are like a brother to me. And then in an earlier um, in Attack of the Clones, you know, Anakin says, you're like a father to me. And Obi-Wan's like, well, why don't you listen to me then? <laughs> you know, they it's his family. And as far as Anakin knows, that's his only past family, right? At this point, he hates him and wants to kill him. Exactly. And it's just, it's humbling because Obi-Wan, like, you know, it's always mentioned Anakin was more powerful, but like Obi-Wan wasn't, you know, playing around. Like he was legit. He survived the attack of the clones. You know, he, yeah, he made it through and then ultimately brought Anakin to his knees and that he only had his knees. He had no <laughs> legs. And so, you know, it just, I felt so bad. I was scared for Obi-Wan. Like I knew he lives obviously, but the stakes still felt as high, especially when, uh, you know, a Darth Vader, he, puts him to the fire as like you essentially burned me alive i'm gonna do the same to you and drag that was him. a badass move i was like oh uh, is obi-wan like deeply scarred and we just never see it in the future because he has his like brown robes on like i'm like uh you know obi-wan's powerful but like can he survive being lit on fire you know well and you had darth vader basically saying that okay like this is just the beginning of the pain I am going to cause you for what you did to me. So he is trying to like slowly torture him. But when he does light him on fire, you have Tala come to save the day with her mm -hmm. droid at the Pew -pew. end, which I was surprised she got out. I thought she was going to be going back the same way she came in and would run into Reva. Instead, Reva, you know, found Leia. Finds Leia at the end. Because Leia, again, adult in mm -hmm. a, a 10 year old little kid body is like, you need to be with Obi-Wan. Like, I'm good. I'll figure it out. And she's just like, Okay, like she's listening yeah. to this 10-year-old girl that Obi-Wan's like, get her to safety. And she's like, yeah, okay, thanks. You know, it's just it's so funny watching her like interact as an, like she's an adult. But in the end, Reva does get a chance to get her and she's not the Jedi that she was expecting. Yeah, so, so that'll, well, it'll be interesting how they play that out. Obviously, Obi-Wan now has to save Leia again, which means he's going to have to interact with Darth Vader again. Little bone to pick at the end. If Darth Vader really wanted Obi-Wan, they have the flames that are lit up. He could just force jump over that shit, grab Obi-Wan and be like, all right, dude, let's go. But I think he almost likes the chase. He does. Right? He, he does. wants this to be something that in the end can say it was worth all of his time and effort of 10 years tracking this guy down so it can't just be handled so easily. And that's why he showed up. Like, yeah. he made a house call. Like, he didn't just leave it to his inquisitors. He's like, yeah, no, I'm going to show up and take care of this. Like, he he does obviously have a flair for the dramatics with his cape and everything. <laughs> um, I do think it's important to mention Reva actually talking to Darth Vader, and you find out that 
they are in talks and that he has said, listen, if you take care of this for me, you have, you know, you can be the Grand Inquisitor. Like, no problem. Here's the power. But if not, I'm going to kill your ass. Yeah, but not, so, if not, you're going to wish that so you were already So that's kind of dead. her drive, you know, to essentially get rid of Obi-Wan and come back and be the Grand Inquisitor and have her own lead power here, not just as a third sister. So we'll see. But high stakes, Leia again is kidnapped, and now Reva specifically knows Obi-Wan is will go to save her. So yeah, I'm uh, I'm enjoying the series so far. Obviously, like we've been mentioning, there are some holes that are being popped or here and there, but all in all, it's been all right. I, I was hoping for a little more. We need to see Obi-Wan get some lightsaber skills back, right? I, I want to see an awesome battle between Obi-Wan and Darth Vader. And if all we get is what we had in episode three, I'm going to be a little disappointed because what's the other battle we've seen between like Darth Vader in his whole situation and Obi-Wan it's in uh, the original series where it's like a hit move to the left. But doesn't that make more continuity sense because he was so bad in this interaction that by the time we get to a new hope and he does like three moves and he's taken out, it makes total sense. In a way, yeah, I guess so. I just, but for like a fandom sake, yeah, you want to see sake. this. You want to see a Revenge of the Sith level. But to me, that's the that's the high point. You're True. not at the time that we had it, and the stakes that we had it. We're just not going to get that, I don't think. But I think we have to have another bat. I mean, we have to at this point. You gave it to us in episode three. You have to give it to us by the end. Yeah, and we'll see how this tie ties into the other Star Wars media. Yeah, because obviously Ahsoka is coming out. What next year next you year. said? Yep. Uh, there's the clone or clone wars are happened before this, but you have rebels. So is it going to tie in directly to any of those? I'm intrigued to see how they handle all of this going forward. But I'm enjoying it so far. I wish it was more than six episodes, but I get they have to keep these timelines tight because if you add too many episodes, you give too much content. There's more room for errors. Number one, but also it takes away the suspense uh, and the anticipation of the next thing. You know what I mean? It's also blowing like Disney plus numbers. Like Kenobi is just blowing away the numbers as far as people watching it. Like people are here for it really quickly. Hayden Christensen is in this series. And despite a quick moment, you see Obi-Wan kind of having this vision of him in his robes in the distance. And then it ends up not being him. You otherwise couldn't tell this is Hayden Christensen. I mean, do you need him there? Do you need him there? Like if it was a Hayden Christensen, does it feel better knowing that that is Hayden Christensen in the suit? Not the voice, but that is. Yes, I think it feels better. It feels I, like I, it's really him in a like weird way. Like yeah. because it's him who was Anakin. It feels more like this is Darth Vader. And the Vader. stature, because I think yeah. in the original series, looking back, Darth Vader looks kind of small to me. But Anakin, like Hayden Christensen, was like a tall, slender guy. And I think just the physical presence of him in the suit is good. I do think it is kind of funny, but also great that James Earl Jones is yes. still the voice. Because you still can't the voice. not. My hope is that they have more Hayden Christensen like flashbacks to young Anakin or Obi-Wan seeing Anakin, you know, because otherwise what was the point to me? Yeah, anybody could play that character correct, in the suit. Correct. Yeah. And I love Hayden Christensen. We share a birthday, but still. Oh, well, as long as you share a birthday. I just had to mention it, you know, many times. So, okay, <laughs> let's get into our Star of the Week. I think that's it for our Star Wars takes. All right. Okay, so my Star of the Week 
It was going to be Liam Payne. Do you know who that is? No idea who that is. Okay. It's from a kind of well-known band, One Direction. My sister was a big fan back in the day. But I actually read this article that he, you know, all of them went solo to varying states of success. But he was in that, I, I detest Logan Paul, but he was on his podcast. And he was just complaining about One Direction bandmates and stuff. And he made this ridiculous claim that he had um, the like most popular, best hit single. Do you know his single? No. I, yeah. You'd have to say something. Exactly. Yeah, if you I'm... heard it, you probably still wouldn't know it. It's called Strip That Down. Now, to think that he overshot Harry Styles, who honestly, like... I was going to say, is it Harry Styles? Was it he in He's One like Direction? Na- Niall Horan. I mean, his album was on the radio all the time. Like, Zane, he, he had that number, that Pillow Talk song at the same time that was... Yep. So it's like, just, just to make these comments just makes you seem real salty as the, you know, one of the five that didn't really make it as much. So, you know, lo- shout out to Logan Paul, who just fights any CD person to Fair. give <laughs> a voice to. Even Liam Payne, who you probably aren't thinking about uh, in your everyday life, but... Real swirly on that one. Just just take the L for not being as popular as your other bandmates and, you know, keep it moving. All right. So my swirly of the week, it's just going to be uh, short and not very sweet, but the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard trial. Oh, I was hoping you wouldn't, we wouldn't have to mention this, but go ahead. Yeah, I just, it's the swirly. I, I just, What's swirly about it for you? Well, I just don't really care about it, but the internet keeps throwing it back in my face. So I try to get away and then I see a funny video of something the lawyers do. And I'm like, oh, that was kind of funny. I don't care. Get it out of my life. And you can't get away from it if you're on Twitter or Instagram or TikTok. It just keeps popping Listen, up. It's a real PR train. To- yeah. So that's, but it's over now. Johnny Depp won. Swarly of the week. I'll leave it at that. Okay. I'll leave it there too. Because that's all I got to say. All right. So what do we got for our friendship question of the week, Kayla? What is the best way you process and learn information? How do you learn, Justin? Uh, I learn by doing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Reading doesn't really do it for me. Like even in in math, I like reading it out of textbook. I need to actually solve problems and if it's something that I can take and make like a real world example out of, that's, I need to do it. I need to, can't read and do it. Best case scenario, see and do it. YouTube videos are more helpful than reading out of a manual for me, just in general. What about you? I'm the same way. Um, probably my least is auditory. When someone like starts to explain how to do something, my brain literally goes with the birds. Like I'm in La La Land. I absorbed it's very hard for me for someone to explain something and follow it. If it's not like super simple, like go here, do this. Um, the auditory would probably be my second. I listen to a ton of podcasts and like stuff I want to learn. I'll listen to podcasts to just understand the world better. Yeah, because it's me. I'm always learning. Yeah, but like not just like receiving stuff, like learning. Like if I have to, I, I guess if you can listen and, and know how to like sand a, a table or whatever like i don't look like learn that way like i can receive information that way but i can't like all suddenly know how to do it like for me i have to either do it yeah like you're saying like that's my number one or like reading instructions like i'm pretty good at like reading them and following them um if they're not like ikea furniture super complicated See, i hate so, reading but, i hate reading and following instructions I'm and i love to say i yeah. love reading so yeah so that's it for learning you know and i love to learn so I think that's it for us this week on our Kenobi slash the circle chat. And on that note, see you next week.
Well, that's it for this episode of Wrong Opinions Only. Please follow us on Instagram at Wrong Opinions Only and on Twitter at Wrong Opinions JK, where we'll be dropping some clues and hints to upcoming episodes. Until then, JK. Bye.